if you brought a Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to, turn to, what did, what did you say? Colossians. Yeah, Colossians. Pa, what, Philemon, Titus, just find one that starts with C, ends with Olossians, and you found the right spot, Colossians. Uh, chapter 3 is where we'll be, uh, we're only going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 4 this morning, but... Um, I only want to make one announcement because I feel like skipping the rest of the announcements. So the one announcement I am going to make is that there's potluck after church today. Right on? That's all we need to know. So anyways, Colossians chapter 3, if you're able, go ahead and uh, stand to your feet as we read God's word together. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Y'all there? Almost. All right. Verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also then you also will appear with him in glory. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the time of worship, the time of prayer. And God, we, uh, we want to hear from you through your word this morning. Lord, whatever distractions we may have come in with, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just remove them from our minds in this moment, that our minds would be renewed by uh, the hearing of your word. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified that this message would be your message and these words would be your words. And God, that you would do a, a work within us and that we would be able to set our minds on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I shared this on Friday night, but um, <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm going in for... Uh, Surgery on, well, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. And uh, so, you know, the normal call-in with, you know, your normal pre-op stuff, you know, don't eat anything past this time or anything like that. Well, uh, the, the, the lady who had called me, her name was Jan, and um, she asked me, you know, the questions. Uh, the questions of, uh, are, are you, uh, do you have an appetite? And I assured her, I have an appetite. If I didn't, I wouldn't be eating what you all have brought today. Uh, but anyway, she, she said, okay, so after your surgery, this is, how, this is how it goes. Normally, the doctor will call the spouse or, or you know, family member, and so obviously the doctor is going to call my wife. And, and she says, but uh, your, your wife has to have a code word that matches the code word that uh, you give us. And so I, I, w I was kind of shocked to hear that because, I mean, I, I'm giving you her number. Obviously, this is... Anyways. And, and so uh, she said, normally people will give their, you know, children's names or their dog's names or, you know, what street they live on. And, and so I kind of paused for a minute and, and, and I don't know why I paused so long, but all of a sudden I just said, Jesus. And she goes, oh, Okay. And from there, the name of Jesus brought this whole story about how her father-in-law gave his life over to Christ after 30 years of, of her knowing him. And, and, and it just made me think after having this conver conversation uh, that there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? The demons tremble at the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. But I also realized this from the conversation I had with her, that because of our faith in Jesus Christ, this isn't it. There is more. Amen? We're not stuck here. There is more to look forward to. If you're in Christ this morning, this isn't it. There is way more. And that's what we'll be looking at this morning. I've, I've entitled this message. I rarely ever, ever entitle a message. I just go based off of what we're reading. But I've entitled it just that. Uh, this isn't it. There is more. So every time you hear me say this isn't it, there is, you finish it. Okay? More. Got it? That's your one word for today. Uh, but in, in verses 1 through 4, uh, Paul uh, starts with laying out some really practical Christian living. 
Uh, in chapters 1, just a quick recap, Paul expounds on who Jesus is. Jesus is the exact imprint, the exact nature of God. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is creator of all things, sustainer of all things. He's head of the church. He is first among the resurrected from the dead. And to top it all off, he is supreme over everything. Amen? That's who Paul paints Jesus as because Paul had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in chapter 2, uh, as, as we saw a little bit of it last week, Paul warns the church in Colossae of this heresy that was creeping into the church. He warns against humanism. He warns against legalism, mysticism, asceticism. And if we were to take the book of Colossians, it could be broken up into two parts. Chapters 1 and 2 is primarily focusing on the doctrine of Christ, who Jesus is. And Paul does a masterful job at describing who Jesus is and, and painting who Jesus is. But ultimately, the doctrine of Christ points to the supremacy of Christ, the, His supreme being, how He is preeminent, like Paul says, how He is over all, how Jesus is number one. Amen? Thank you. Okay. Might have to encourage you guys to pinch your neighbor or something. Uh, but chapters 3 through 4, uh, Paul, he, he, he goes off in a different direction, and he looks at it from a practical standpoint. He, he looks at it as, okay, now that I've given my life to Christ, what do I do next? And I'm sure we've all been at that place before where we have surrendered our lives to Christ and we wondered, well, what do I do next? And, and you'll hear the, the basic, find a good Bible teaching church, pray, right? Read your Bible every day. But Paul is a little bit more specific when he tells us what to do next. He says, now that you know the truth of Christ and the supremacy of Christ, this is what you are called to do as believers, and so in chapter, chapter 3, Paul focuses on the truth about you. If you are in Christ, this is what Paul is focusing on this morning. He is focusing on the truth about the believer in Christ. But what is a Christian? Right? Many people are quick to say they're Christians. Just ask the Jehovah's Witness and Mormons. Oh yeah, we're Christians. No, no, not according to God's word. You are not Christians. I love the definition that Charles uh, Hodges gives of a Christian. He says, a Christian is one who recognizes Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, as God manifested in the flesh, loving us and dying for our redemption, and who is so affected by a sense of the love of this incarnate God as to be constrained to make the will of Christ the rule of his obedience, and the glory of Christ, the great end for which he lives. To sum it all up, a Christian is one who has surrendered their life over to Jesus, who has decided to put off the old and put off the new, who has decided that there is, uh, without a doubt, forgiveness found in Jesus, and one who has been deeply impacted by what Christ has done for them. That is a Christian. And so Paul is writing to those who have decided to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's, he's saying, listen, this is what you are to do. As believers in Christ, here's your aim. This is your next step, so to speak. And Paul totally gets where this group of believers is at. And so he writes with an understanding heart. He gets it. He's been in their shoes. If anything, at the time of his writing, he was in their shoes. And so he writes, If then, verse 1, you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are where? Above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now let me ask you a question. How easy is it for us to take our eyes off of Christ in the midst of the circumstance that may be surrounding us? What we're going through sometimes seems to shift our focus off of Christ and more directly on the circumstance at hand. In your season of life right now, it may be extremely difficult it may be painful, and it may make no sense at all to what God is doing. Anyone ever been there before? I must be the only one. <laughs> and you may have asked the question, God, what are you doing? You might say, Jesus, I'm following you. I've surrendered my life to you. I've laid it all at your feet. But right now, what you're doing in my life makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Has anybody ever been there? So what do you do when you get there? What do you do when you get to the place where what God is doing doesn't make any sense? Well, number one, you remember that you have been raised with Christ. 
You have been raised with Christ. I think for many believers, it's so easy to slouch back into the grave that Jesus has risen us out of. When we go through these circumstances of life, it's easy for us just to go to the past and relive our past or relive however we were doing life, but it proves uh, fruitless. There's no fruit that comes out of living from the grave. There is fruit that comes from living in Christ. Amen? Paul, uh, who wrote the, the letter to the church of Colossae, formerly Saul, remember? He was the one who was murdering Christians, people of the way. He was once breathing threats upon the church, but now this man who was once a murderer is now one of the strongest pillars within the church. Yet following Jesus for him came with a massive price. It uh, came with a, a, a high price. Uh, when we read about uh, Saul's conversion, uh, when the Lord met him on, to, on the road to Damascus, uh, he also met a name, uh, man named Ananias. And he gave Ananias strict orders to go to Paul. And Ananias, if you're familiar with the text, said in loose paraphrase type of way, uh-uh, do you know what that guy's done? He's murdered Christians. And, and he says, no, 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 the Lord speaking, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Thank God for Paul, because if it, was, if it wasn't for Paul, none of this would be happening. You and I are Gentiles. And it was, it, it, with strict orders, the Lord says he's going to be the one to reach the Gentiles. Thank you for heeding that call, Paul. But the Lord goes on to say, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Wouldn't that be nice if God did that with all of us? I'm going to show you all that you have to endure. I'm going to show you all the trials and tribulation. How come Paul got and we didn't? I'm, when we get to heaven, we'll be able to ask the question. But listen, Paul would suffer greatly. We read a couple chapters ago how he went through shipwrecks and beatings and all of these other types of things. Uh, but the one motivation he had for the trials that he faced was this truth that we read this morning, that he was risen with Christ. Paul brings this up in, in chapter 2, verse 12 of Colossians. He says, in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Take a look at Jesus, right? Jesus died on the cross, a criminal's death, buried in a tomb, and the story could have easily ended right there. Jesus could have stayed in the tomb, and it could have been one of the most disappointing stories of the century. But guess what? Jesus rose again. Amen. He didn't stay in the tomb. And for the Christian, listen, maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe your life is just extremely hard right now. Listen to this. Because Jesus rose again, there will be a rise again for you. Amen. See, when you face situations that don't make sense, because I can guarantee you in your life, and, and, and some of you are, are in it right now, that whatever you're going through, it's just what is going on. I don't get it, God. I don't understand why this has to happen to me. I don't understand why it has to happen to our family. I don't understand why our finances like this. I don't understand why all of my relationships may be totally just done. I don't get it. What are you doing? See, uh, for the disciples, Jesus dying on the cross and being buried it made no sense. You see throughout the Gospels that Jesus time and time again told his disciples, Guys, I'm going to die. But don't worry, I'm going to rise again. They couldn't get rid of the dying part. They just focused on that as that was the worst possible circumstance ever. But Jesus reassured them time and time again, I'm going to rise again. See, God's plans, I don't know if you've realized this or not, much different than yours, much different than mine. See, and for the disciples, their idea was, let's focus on the negative of it all. Let's focus on the part where Jesus just dies, and let's, let's just totally ignore where Jesus said he's, he's going to rise again, because, I mean, we don't know for sure, but anytime I've checked, when the Son of God says something, it happens. And if anyone were to believe that, it would, to, it would be the disciples. But yet God used this death and resurrection of his son 
to ultimately, I believe, get the disciples' eyes off of their situation and onto Christ. Because guess who went looking for Jesus in the tomb? The disciples. So what do we do when we don't get what God is doing? We, we remember that we have been risen with Christ. But number two, we also need to seek the things that are above. Paul says, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated. Uh, I, I'm not very creative on my points, guys. Like, this is straight from God's word. Seek the things above, okay? <laughs> seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Doctrinally speaking, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, we see that in Scripture, in the heavenly realm. And Paul was saying, since you are in Christ, check this out, you belong to another world. This isn't it. There is more. Thank you. Some of you, you, you got it. <laughs> see, your citizenship is ultimately in heaven. If you are a believer in Jesus, your citizenship is not here. It is in heaven. Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Believer in Christ this morning, please take note of this. The best is yet to come. Amen? Your home is not on earth. Your home is in heaven where your Savior is. And the good news is Jesus is coming back for us. And since he's coming back, listen, where we place our focus makes a big difference in how we respond to the things that are going in our, on in our lives. Where is your focus this morning? Where, is your eyes, where are your eyes set upon this morning? Paul says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul wasn't saying, hey, check this out. Everything that you know about heaven, all the thrones, all the diadems, all the crowns, even the angels' shoes or sandals, he says, focus on those things. He's not saying that. Paul is not saying, focus on the material things that are found in heaven. Paul is saying, listen, seek the things that flow from being where Christ is, his attributes and who he is. So with our eyes upon Christ, placing our gaze there, listen, will ultimately change the way we see the things around us. When things around us don't seem to make sense, our seeking needs to be towards the things above where Christ is seated. There are so many times where I'm sure you and I have had a strong grip on earth, as if earth, this world, was the only thing worth living for. But listen, through God's word, as believers, we realize that this isn't it. There is more. There is heaven. And listen, if you're figuring out how to be happy, as I'm sure everybody is trying to figure out how to be happy, listen, the happiest people are those who are looking forward to heaven because they know what's in store. There's so much joy and fulfillment found in where we are going. Why? Because Jesus is there. From it, we await a Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul is encouraging the believers in Colossae and even us today to set our gaze upon heaven. And how do we do this? I believe there's three ways. We can set our gaze upon heaven uh, through our treasures, Right? Through the things that, that, that we invest in. Matthew 6, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Does anybody ever use mothballs? <laughs> if you use mothballs, it's because the moth are destroying your clothes, right? They're getting in and they're ruining things. We use them because the moths will come in and they will wreak havoc upon whatever. Rust, right? Living at the beach. Uh, Jesus brings these up because obviously they had a problem with moths back then and they had a problem with rust back then. But rust, living, living at the, the beach, you couldn't leave many things out as far as a bike or skateboard without uh, it being rusted the next day. You ran the risk of it rusting the item. Or what about thieves? Pretty self-explanatory, right? Uh, now, I don't say this to scare you, but I thought this was interesting information. Uh, according to secureamerica.com, there are over 2.2 million break-ins in the U.S. 
2.2 million break-ins in which, however they calculated this, means every 15 seconds there's a break-in. You want to know the state with the highest break-in rate? It's not California, praise the Lord. It's Ohio. (laughs) I don't know how they figure that, but if you're planning on moving to Ohio, just, you know, expect break-ins. But listen, Jesus isn't saying all of this to scare us. He's saying this so we might understand where our treasures are at. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If it's in an earthly thing, at some point that earthly thing will fade away. The clothes you wear will someday be eaten by moths or wear out. You might have a hole in your shirt, although holes in shirts now are a fashion, I guess. Uh, But someday the car you drive, and many of us in this season of life have experienced the cars we drive breaking down, or the bike you ride, someday it will give out. Listen, your items in your possession one day may even be stolen. And what is your response going to be in that day? Uh, my response, I pray, and I pray that it's your response as well, is this. There is, this isn't it. There is more. No matter how many moths eat my stuff or rust ruins my bike or things get stolen, I know where my focus is on, and it's not in my stuff. Amen? Instead, invest in the kingdom. Jesus isn't saying all this thing because they're figuring out how to uh, campaign for some building project in heaven. He's not saying, man, I don't know how we're going to build Craig's mansion. We don't have enough treasure in heaven. He's not doing that. Jesus is alluding to the fact that wherever our heart is, wherever our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So let me ask you this question. How much do you value the things of God. How much do you value the things of God's kingdom? See, when you put your treasure in heaven, your heart will follow. I believe another way that uh, God, uh, another, another way God uses to get our eyes on to heaven is through trials. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised At the fiery trial, when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Jesus says that you're going to have trials. You're going to experience hardship. You're going to experience suffering. Listen, God doesn't bring trials to surprise us. He's like, I'm going to figure out how to trip them up a little bit today. I just want to, you know, I, I, for one, hate surprises. Like, if you're going to throw a surprise party for me, please don't do it. I will not be very happy. Uh, but he doesn't throw trials our way or send us through trials just to surprise us. It's to refine us and define us and to help us focus on him. In the, in the moment of our suffering, whatever you're going through this morning, listen, I get it. It's not very enjoyable. It may hurt physically or relationally or financially. But listen, until we take our eyes off of the circumstance and onto heaven, then we will have a whole new perspective. A whole new outlook on how to deal with what we're going through. John Corson said, If God didn't send a trial, we would become bound up in this earth and would miss out entirely on what he has in store for us. So trials are not necessarily a bad thing. I know they hurt, but listen, God uses trials in our life. But I believe he also uses transfers. Many of us have experienced the death of a loved one who uh, has uh, put their faith in Christ. They have proceeded into heaven before us. And for many of us, we long for the day where we can be reunited with that that loved one. If you're in Christ, and the, the loved one who went before you into heaven, listen, this is the good news. For you, this isn't it. There is more because you will be reunited with that one. Amen? So these three things, treasures, trials, and transfers, will help us to keep our eyes on heaven. Ultimately, to keep our eyes on Jesus. What else do we do when we don't get what, we're, uh, what God is, is doing in our lives? Uh, we have to remember, number three, your old self is dead. 
For you have died, Paul says, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. In Galatians 2.20, he basically says the same thing. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is reminding the believers in Colossae, hey, the way you used to live before Christ is no longer the way you're going to live anymore. The old is gone and the new is here. You are a new creation in Christ if you have placed your faith in Jesus. Amen? So, Paul, he uses this in, in the perfect, imperfect tense. He's basically saying your life is continually hidden in Christ. It's not just a one-time thing. It is continually in Christ. I heard about a pastor named John Chrysostom. His nickname was literally Golden Mouthed. He was hauled off to the Byzantine Empress Yodia, no relationship to Yoda, but she was frustrated by John. She was absolutely frustrated because of his independence and his resistance to authority. And so like any person in power, she wanted him to pay. Because she didn't like what he was doing. And so first, she tried scaring John with banishment. To which John replied, You cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. To which the empress responded, But I'll kill you. No, John responds, You cannot, for my life is hid with Christ and God. Then I'll take away all your treasures. No, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. But I'll drive you away from all your friends and, and you'll never have anyone ever again. No, you cannot, for I have a friend in heaven whom you cannot separate me from. I defy you, for there is nothing you can do to harm me. What a perspective. Amen? See, John doesn't deny that she's actually going to do these things. He just knows that being in Christ gives him a new perspective. It gives him a new outlook on life. And let me ask you a question. When things happen in your life before Christ, do you remember how you responded to those situations? Do you remember how they weren't always glorifying to the Lord? Maybe your response to certain situations is full of doubt or self-pity or denial or numbness, trying to numb the pain with drugs or alcohol or relationships after relationships. Listen, when you gave your life to Christ, and if you're not a believer this morning, when you give your life to Christ, your perspective starts to change. No longer are you looking at it the way that your old self used to look at it. God gives you a new set of glasses and he says, try it this way. You'll be able to see better. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And our old self was full of that, walking by sight, only by what we could see. But now if we're in Christ, our view changes. When you go through whatever you're going through, my prayer for you is that you would adopt the eyes of faith. Adopt the eyes of faith rather than doubt God in the midst of your circumstance. Faith says, God, I don't get what you're doing. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. I don't like it, but I'm going to trust you because I know you're going to see me through. Number four, last one. Help me out with this one. This isn't it. There is. There you go. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's two types of waiting. The rainy day waiting and the house guest waiting, right? The rainy day waiting is where uh, the kid inside wants to go out and so he's kicking the ball in the house until the rain stops. But the house guest waiting is where you are waiting the arrival of a friend or family, right? You get the house in order, you get it all tidy, you get it all put together. If they have a favorite food, you start to prepare it. Listen, the house guest waiting for the believer is where you and I are at today because Jesus is coming back. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to be ready for his return. Amen? Listen, the tidying up happens in you. Listen, the question I have for us this morning is, how's your house? I'm not talking about where you live. I'm talking about how's your house? How's, how's the temple? Is there things in there that when God comes back, he's going to be like, oh, man, I'm not too fond of that. 
Are there things in your life that are causing him to maybe, man, we got, we got more work to do. Listen, Jesus could come back now. And the question I have for you is, are you ready? Is your house tidied up? Are, 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 is everything swept in order? Is your life right with God this morning? If it's not, it needs to be. That is the ultimate way to tidy up any house, is to get right with God through Jesus Christ. Listen, when he comes, this is the good news for the believer. You and I, believer, will be made perfect. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more, no more any of the stuff we experience on this side of heaven. All of that will be wiped away. Good news, right? This isn't it. There is more. If Christ is not your life this morning, listen, your perspective, the way you see, see things will be skewed, it will be jaded, you will be full of doubt, self-pity, always bumping from relationship to, to relationship, from substance to substance, from pleasure to pleasure, whatever it may be. But listen, Christ satisfies all the desires of life. You don't need to chase after anything else because only Christ satisfies Life may be hard for you right now, and I, and I get it. I don't discount that at all. We're all going through something. Uh, listen, the good news is, is that God knows exactly what you're going through. The heartbreak, the pain, He sees it. He knows it. And He knows how to see you, key word, through it. You're not going to stay where you're at. God has way more for you as a believer. I want to leave you with this. For the believer, we look at the world we live in, and yes, some of it may be beautiful, relationships might be strong, but even the best things that we have here pale in comparison to what we have awaiting for us. What is in heaven is more glorious than we understand. It is, it is magnificent, majestic. Why? Because Jesus is there. Heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. Listen, you might be discouraged this morning. It might be hard to wake up in the morning. Listen, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, this isn't it. There's so much more in store for you. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, we'll clo close out with a, a chorus. But listen, if you need prayer, it's not just during a service that you can get prayer. You can get prayer whenever. Find somebody in here and say, hey, I need prayer. I, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. Listen, we all need prayer, like I mentioned. But listen, seek the things that are above. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that uh, through your word, you encourage us to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are here. The things that are here are temporal. They're, they're going to pass away. They're going to be eaten by moths and destroyed by rust, and, and thieves will come in and, and steal it, Lord. But we know, God, that when we set our minds on the things above, where Christ is seated, our perspective changes. Lord, I know there are, there are people in here this morning and probably even watching online that are going through something. God, and I pray that you would just remind them over and over and over again that you love them, that you're going to lead them through whatever valley that they're in right now. Lord, I thank you for your awesomeness. I thank you that this isn't it. There is more. God, we praise you for that. And so, Lord, as we close out with this chorus, may we, may we sing from a perspective of seeking the things that are above. May these words just resonate in our heart and resound in our heart, Lord. Jesus, we give you all the praise and all the glory, and it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen.
Hello all, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.